Hello, and welcome to The Wardroom, a podcast dedicated to the leadership development of the U.S. Navy's engineering duty officers. I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Matthew Horton. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Vice Admiral Johnny Wolfe. Admiral Wolfe is currently serving as the Director for Strategic Systems Programs. He is a native of Somerset, Texas, a qualified submariner, and has spent most of his engineering duty officer career in the Strategic Systems sub, uh, Programs. But I knew him as a fellow missile defender at the Missile Defense Agency when he was the program executive for Aegis Ballistic Missile Defense. So grab a cup of coffee and join us in the wardroom. Admiral Wolf, you know, I think they call that Ironman football when you play both offense and defense. But uh, anyway, welcome to the wardroom. We understand you would like to talk with us a little bit about a leader's need to learn. So, Admiral, the floor is yours. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Matthew. Great, uh, great talking to you again. Uh, yeah, I got some fond memories of when we were at the uh, Missile Defense Agency. But you're right. Um, as I took this, uh, I was reminded that I'm probably one of the only folks that uh, when you talk about uh, playing both offense and defense, although for those of you who have seen me, I probably wouldn't be really good at either one of them if we were really playing football. But uh, but having said that, hey, uh, welcome, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. What I'd like to do is just take a couple of minutes to give you a thought process um, and something to think about as you continue, no matter where you're at in your career. But I think as naval officers in the engineering duty officer community, we are all leaders in our own right. And um, what I think is incredibly important as a leader is we should always be learning. Because um, if you've read any books about leadership, um, and if you haven't, I encourage you to do that. But I would tell you that what history has found is the best leaders are the best learners. And as engineering duty officers, I think we all understand what it means to learn in our technical field. We understand what it means to get an advanced degree. We understand what it means to go through the ED qualification process. But what I challenge all of you to think about is how do you get that same learning when it comes to leadership? And, and I will tell you that is different for every single individual, but let me give you what my thought process is on where it starts. <clears throat> and it really starts with understanding yourself, understanding what your strengths are, understanding what your weaknesses are, and really understanding how you as an individual internally think. Um, because if you can do that, it does a couple of things. It helps you start to frame um, how as a leader you rely on your strengths. But as, but as important, it helps you start to realize where you've got weaknesses. How do you get that learning? How do you take your leadership to the next level? And, and let me, let me uh, make it a little bit personal. I will tell you, for me personally, one of the most difficult things that I work on continuously is active listening. Okay, Because I know that, um, that the way I, as an individual, am... Um, when I've got enough information, when I'm listening to a subject, um, I can shut down and I can move on to the next thing. As a leader, I know I can't do that because um, as a leader, you've got to listen more than you talk. You've got to engage mentally more than you disengage. And so um, body language is important. And when I do that, I, I know that to the folks that are talking to me, it doesn't send the right message. So I spend a lot of time reading about active listening. I spend a lot of time honing recommended tools for how to active listen, um, because I think as a leader, that's an area where I need to continue to grow and learn. So um, start with yourself and be honest with yourself. What do you think you're good at? Not technically, but 
uh, what are you as a person good at? What are you not so good at? And then how do you go find learning to shore up those things that you aren't? Um, and that kind of leads me on to the next thing, which is um, a good way to learn is to listen. And I know you guys are all probably thinking, well, of course, that makes sense. But but I would tell you, the more senior you become, the more you need to listen and not talk. And when you do talk, you need to do it from the mindset of learning, learning as a leader, ask probing questions, ask to understand, ask to clarify, as opposed to giving your opinion first, ask for more input, ask for all those ways that we can get the entire organization that you're leading, whoever happens to be sitting around the table, you can get those things out and you can have the healthy, rich dialogue so that not only can you learn from them for any particular situation you're in, but then as you take all of that and assimilate it, you then use that as an opportunity to feed back so that they can get the learning as well. You know, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, is quoted as saying, Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. And I truly, truly believe that um, because if any of us ever get to the point where we think we've learned enough, whether it be technically, whether it be through leadership, whatever it is, I would tell you um, we, we should relook ourselves in the mirror and think about that. Um, and that's why, you know, if I could tie it in a little bit to our leadership development framework, I think what we do in the engineering duty officer community under the leadership development framework is spot on because it is about two sides of that. It's the one side where we talk about the character and all of the things that we as individuals want as leaders, where we continually have to learn. And then it talks about what we as EDs do in our technical job of technical competence. And so, you know, that learning is universal. And as you work your way up, you've all seen the engineering duty officer leadership development framework where we talk about character, we talk about competence. You've seen the spiral that works up both sides on how we build that learning all the way through our careers. Um, don't ever underestimate how powerful that is for a leader. Um, so, you know, and then find ways that resonate with you on how to get that learning. I will tell you, um, I, I don't do great. It kind of goes back to that active listening. Another another character trait of mine is sometimes if I try and pick up a book and read it and it's three or four hundred pages, um, I get lost in it, you know, because of this. OK, yeah, that's that's obvious to me. And even my mind starts to shut down, even though I'm reading words. Um, I found for me things like Harvard Business Review, um, particularly those things on leadership. Um, and I tell you, even in this COVID environment, I have done a lot of reading on the Harvard Business Review about how leaders are operating in this type of environment, how leaders are learning to adapt to this type of environment where we can't all be together and looking at some of those best practices. And then I try to bring them back to our organization and put them into practice. If you are good with reading long books, there's just book after book after book about leadership and about mindset and about how to set a tone and how to set a culture and do all of those things. But the one thing I would tell every single one of you is no matter what you read, no matter what you learn, stay true to yourself because there are so many different things out there on leadership and so many different tools and so many different ways to do it. But what I would challenge all of you to do is Find those leadership tools that resonate with you. Because the other thing I would tell you as a leader, as a learner, the one thing that I have learned, if it's not genuine and it feels forced, 
and you're doing something just because a book told you to do it, um, people will see through that. Um, find the things that have worked for others. If it resonates with you, give it a shot. Always, again, in this learning environment, I tell my organization all the time, I always reserve the right to learn. And I always reserve the right when I learn to say when I was not right and I need to adjust when we were going down the wrong path. Um, because, again, in that learning spirit, which is why I think the best leaders are the best learners, because if you are truly a learner, you're OK saying I didn't get that right. I learned something that I didn't know before. Therefore, let's change the way we're going to go do something or let's change the path that we were on. Um, so it makes it easier to do that. Um, and then, you know, always encourage others to learn as well. If you as a leader show your willingness to learn, show your willingness to try different things um, for the betterment of both yourself and the organization, I think it encourages others to do the same thing. Um, so, so, you know, I would just just some things to think about. Um, but again, start with yourself. Learn yourself. Learn yourself. And then when you do that, find those tools that are going to help you. Um, one last thing I'd like to leave you with uh, before we uh, I turn it back over to Matthew and uh, and we, we, we talk about questions or other things that are on everybody's mind. I would I would also tell you, I think um, 360, 360 degree assessments for those of you um, who haven't heard from them, it's a tool where. Um, you ask your peers, you ask your 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 seniors, and you ask your subordinates uh, to kind of give an honest evaluation of you as an individual, of you as a leader. And then it asks you to do the same thing. It's the same questions that you answer. And it gives you a mirror into way every one of those different groups looks at you, including yourself. And it helps you to form where should you adjust, where should you learn. Um, and then in this learning spirit, I also highly encourage everybody to think about executive coaching. Um, and I always get a lot of questions about executive coaching. Um, again, to me, that is a way to get learning through someone other than those that are in our immediate sphere of influence or those that are in our circle of our organization. Um, a good executive coach comes from somewhere that may not even understand your business, but they've worked with other leaders, they've worked with other organizations, and they just help you with a thought process on how to learn, on how to solve problems, and how to take your organization moving forward. Um, so with that, I'm gonna leave you with one last quote, um, and it's by Silica Roska, and, and it goes like this. It says, learning is a lifelong process, and I truly, truly believe that. And, and they go on to say, great leaders are always learning. So I leave that thought with you. Um, I encourage everybody, reach out if you listen to this podcast and you got further questions or you'd like to have a longer discussion about this, please reach out to me because the other thing I would tell you is as a senior leader, I'm here for you. It's not the other way around. And, and believe me, every time I talk to one of you, I learn just as much from you as you might think you learned from me uh, because I truly embraced this learning culture, this lifelong learning because um, none of us have all of the answers and when we can listen to each other and we can learn from each other, we will all be better for that. Okay, Matt, so with that, I'd like to turn it back over to you. Thanks. Well, thank you, Admiral. Hey, that's some great information. I look forward personally to implementing a lot of what you talked about this morning. Um, but as you mentioned, we want to transition now to asking a couple of questions that we've received from the EDO community. Uh, so the first one, and, and I think this ties in pretty well with what you were talking about this morning, is we've talked about how we as leaders learn 
But how do you create and develop a culture that supports developing people and, and fosters learning like you talked about? Yeah, thanks, Matthew. That's a, that, that, that's a very insightful question. So let me, let me kind of take it very high level, and then let me talk to you about a couple of things we've done in NSSP to set that culture. So um, here's what I would tell you from the top all the way down. If you're in a leadership position, if you can set up an understanding that if you have the attitude that you want to develop those that are underneath you and you take care of those that are underneath you, the ones that are underneath you will take care of everything else. And so that's kind of the environment that we've set up here in SSP. Um, I've all, always said, um, you know, we look at every job as critical in, in this organization. No job's too big, no job's too small. And um, to do that, we have to provide everyone with the tools with the processes and with the learning opportunities to grow that. And so um, one of the things that I think as a leader you need to do is you, you need to be very overt and very vocal about that. If you look at within SSP, as I've set out my five priorities um, and, and another lesson here for leaders is don't set up so many priorities that they're hard to remember, right? If you keep it to five or a handful and they're very succinct and people can remember them, that's what you want. Too many times have I seen priorities where there's 10 or 15 and they're hard to remember. But here's what I'll tell you. Here's the tone I set with an SSP. My number one priority is it's one word and it's people. And every time I talk to the organization, every time I talk to people outside the organization, I remind them that my number one priority is people. Um, it's growing people, it's retaining people, it's, it's mentoring people, it's all those things that if we can do that as leaders, they're gonna go do everything else. Um, one of the things specifically we've done in SP is um, we've set actually up an institute. We, call, we started off, we called it the Senior Leadership Institute, and we take a cohort of 20, um, you know, GS14, GS15 supervisors from all different aspects of our organization. We've got budget folks. We've got contracts folks. We've got technical folks. We've got folks from our field activity. And we put them in a cohort of 20 people and we keep them together for a year. And we go through six sessions in that year. We do in-person. Well, in, in this environment, we're doing it virtually. But we get that cohort together as an entire cohort six times a year for three days. And it's every other month for the entire year. Um, and what we do is we go through basically um, the executive core competencies and what it means to be a leader. And it starts with no surprise what I talked about. The first one is understanding yourself and understanding how to do that. And then we go through how to build teams. We go through how to make change how to be a technical expert, whatever technical might be. We go through all those things. And then what we do is we send them back into their respective organizations after those three days, and we give them many projects to work on over the next couple of months. Um, and so we've started that. We've done that for about seven years now. And um, so I get about 20 folks through the process every year. Um, and I will tell you, the payback has been huge. But then what grew out of that was, um, as it started to catch on and people started to see the value, we now do what we call a mid-level institute. And I take more junior folks, again, same model, cohort of 20 folks, but we don't do six sessions with them at the mid-level. We do three sessions and it's based around, um, it's based around, you know, building yourself, um, how to lead a, 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 um, a project and then how to lead an organization. So lead yourself lead a project, and lead a big team. 
Um, and we put those through the same mindset, although they only meet once every four months in this cohort. But we do the same thing and we give them projects to work on to hone those schools skills. Because the other thing is training is important. But if you're not offered the opportunity to actually practice it and hone it, it gets stale. So um, so, again, I think you set the tone. Yeah, every opportunity area and make people know how important learning is and how that's what makes the culture what it is. And then find those opportunities to tailor any general training specifically for your organization so that as you grow the people and you grow the culture, it is in line with all the values that you've set up. Thank you, sir. Um, so second question. Um, so we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 global pandemic. And I think this also ties into what you were talking about earlier about the the Harvard Business Review and some of the you know the tips and and leadership uh, things that you've been kind of gleaning from some of your reading there. Can you talk to us about how we can better manage the challenges of balancing mission accomplishment and workforce safety? Yeah, this is uh you know this is one that we're all um, uh, struggling with and we're all trying to find the right balance. Um, here's what I would tell you. Um, you know, and you ask the way you ask the question, Matthew, when we talk about balancing mission accomplishment, right, versus personnel safety um, or workforce safety. Um, you know, here's what we did in SP early on. We went very hard over. Right. And I, and I said a couple of, of things in place um, because we support the strategic deterrent. Our first priority was we're not going to do anything that's going to put our sailors that are taking SSBNs to sea. We're not going to expose them any more than we have to. So we pretty much backed away pretty quick. The next thing we did, we said for our security forces, right, because that's the one thing that can't falter. We're not going to do anything that puts them at any more risk either. So we kind of adopted that posture. And then we slowly started to figure out how we got everything else in place that supported those two priorities, but still got to mission accomplishment. And I tell you, we got some things right. It's it's what I talked about earlier. Um, we reserved the right to learn and to adjust. Um, and as we've gone through that, um, we've been able to figure out how to balance uh, that mission accomplishment and workforce safety with all the protocols we've got in place. Um, and the, we really kind of went for a mindset that says, um, look, because of the criticality of our mission, if you need to be in the office, we're going to allow you in the office. But we're going to put the responsibility on you also that if you really don't need to be in the office, don't come in. And so as we work through that, um, we've started to find that balance, but it became a very tactical balance. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. And this really goes to um, kind of the first question about culture, kind of, you know, the other things that we've all been talking about in this environment, which is, I think everybody, from what I've heard, even from other organizations, we've all done very well uh, balancing the tactical execution of making sure that we support the fleet and whatever it is our business is and making sure that the Navy continues to operate, um, you know, and what we as EDs provide and all of that. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. But here's where I tell you the next challenge is going to become. And it really does. How do you talk to the workforce about mission accomplishment and safety when it comes to culture, when it comes to all of those strategic imperatives that I think we've got to start thinking about um, as leaders is, um, and, and you know, industry's learning this as well. We all kind of have said, oh, wow, we're all teleworking, right? We're getting the mission done. This is great, okay? But, you know, the question is, what are those intangibles? What are those relationships that we're now not building? 
that we used to build? Um, what are those, you know, what are those discussions that are happening um, today or that are not happening today that used to happen when we passed each other in the passageway? Um, so we're, we're going to continue to think through that. I challenge all of you to continue to think through that. Um, but really, um, you know, this balance of mission accomplishment versus workforce safety, uh, we've got to all become um, comfortable with being uncomfortable about, about solving some of this stuff. And I think you've got to have these discussions with your workforce and you've got to find those opportunities. Um, you know, here's another thing I, I would I would tell everybody to think about. I just did a offsite with my uh, with my leadership, a virtual offsite. And here's what I told them. I said, you know, when we have very tactical meetings, right? And I think we've all become comfortable with if it has to go to a mission accomplishment, people will generally come into the office or we'll get in an environment we can socially distance to have the discussions we need to have. But my question now is how do I turn every one of those tactical tactical meetings into a strategic imperative? How do I take every opportunity where I have a good mission reason to have people together how do I accomplish things like training the workforce, building the culture? How do we think that way as well? And so, um, you know, there is no right answer. It, it's it's really really difficult um, to do that. But but I but I think you got to think about about that balance. And you know, COVID is going to be here for a while. We all know that. Um, but we can never forget um, what strategically we're going to need to accomplish. And the tactical day to day, got it. But start to bring into your discussions strategic mission accomplishment, just not tactical mission accomplishment. And then that helps you think differently about workforce safety and, and how we want to move forward. But again, you know, I think we have learned we can do a lot. We can do a lot without all having to physically be together. And we can all do a lot by not traveling nearly as much um, as we used to travel. Um, and as Secretary Gertz has told all the leaders, um, the other the other challenge for you is um we should come out of this better than we went into it. Again, we should learn those tools that work. We should learn those things that we can do in a virtual environment. And where we're learning we can't, um, we want to stop doing that. But don't don't just look at everything we're doing as temporary. Find a strategic imperative and find a way to make it part of your day-to-day -day business um, because we're using workforce safety as kind of that forcing function to think through that. But um, but I think that's a good mindset to have in everything that we do. Uh, we have, obviously have to keep our workforce safe without a doubt. Um, but if you can appeal to the this is mission critical, uh, people arise to the occasion and they'll do what they need to do to keep themselves, to keep others safe and get the mission done. Well, thank you, sir. Important things for us to keep in mind as we go forward. Um, so, so last question before we let you go. Um, so we always like to try and get a book recommendation from our guests. Uh, but my understanding is that yours is tied to the upcoming EDO book club selection for this quarter, The Making yeah. of the Atomic Bomb by Richard Rhodes. Um, right. would, you, would you mind saying a few words about the importance of this book? Yeah. So I think, again, incredibly important. Right. And, and, and why do I say that? I say that because, um, you know, it, and, it, and it goes to what I was talking about. If you look at how they went through the making of the atomic bomb and you look at, at, at a lot of the things that are in there. Right. Um, there was tremendous learning as they went through this. Um, there was tremendous, I think, leadership um, as they went through these programs. And of course, you know, the other learning to take out of that is right is in, and for those who, who, you know, who understand some of the theory of making change right, 
you want to talk about a burning platform as we were going through that and what the imperative was, the strategic imperative, and how people rallied around that. Um, you know, those are those are some of the really important things. It, I mean, the making of the atomic bomb was important, but I think the mindset, the culture, the sense of urgency, all of those burning platforms that were part of that, um, it, it, you know, it, it's just some tremendous, tremendous learning. And so as you as you read it and as you get into the book club and you start discussing it again, kind of look at it from not just the technical perspective, really think about all of these leadership things and pick out those nuggets and get that learning as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's great that you guys have picked that. I think the timing is great that you asked me to come talk to this podcast um, because I think it does all fit very, very nicely together uh, in this in this culture and this spirit of continually learning. Yes, sir. Well, Admiral, again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you again here soon sometime. No, absolutely. Thanks, Matthew. For thank thank you guys for doing this because again. Um, Everything that we're talking about is learning, right? Everything that we're talking about is making each one of us better. So um, I applaud all of you that have, that have kind of made these podcasts happen, that continue to push this. Uh, for those that are listening, I will tell you again, and I seriously mean it, if anything I've said, talked about, you have any questions about or you want to talk more about, please reach out to me. Um, you know, as one of the senior EDs, um, I'm here for you. Uh, and, and I will always, so long as I wear the uniform, that will be my attitude. Um, and again, um, the selfishness in this is every time I talk to one of you, I get a lot out of it and I get a lot of learning as well. So um, so keep doing what you're doing. Keep learning. Keep leading um, both technically um, and as people leaders. Keep honing all those skills. Thank you for joining us in the wardroom. Special thanks to our sound engineer, Lieutenant Andrew Rooney. If you have questions you would like our guests to answer, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at thewardroompodcast at gmail.com or tweet or follow us on Twitter at Wardroom Podcast. We look forward to meeting again in The Wardroom.